John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 1411.LV2025, certificate number 29158. The Washing Bear. All the raccoons participated, whether they could transform or not, and together they generated and focused phenomenal quantities of power. That night, the fighting spirit of the raccoons was greater than ever. In fact, their enthusiasm was so boundless, they began transforming into a parade of frightening specters long before they reached the human city. Do you have, do you have uh, uh, raccoon encounters as part of your uh, Northwest, like, self-mythology? How, how it's do not even part of my self-mythology. It's actually just part of my residence. There are raccoons in the backyard. They wander around at night, uh, you know, looking in the trash. When we laid down sod in our front yard last time, we would come out in the morning and find each square of sod lifted up in one corner. Sure, they were looking. They, they thought you were hiding money under the corners like my grandmother used to do with her uh, She her had money under rugs. her sod? Oh. No, she would keep money in, under the corners of her rugs because she didn't trust the Yeah, banks. these were probably raccoons that knew your grandma. And yeah. I think they were probably looking for grubs. grubs yeah, I don't yeah. know what grubs are, but they're probably under squares of sod. They eat all kinds of invertebrates as part of their diet, you know, worms and uh, creepy crawlies. And we have a blackberry bramble out back where a raccoon lives all day because mm -hmm. he just sleeps, right? There or she, I don't know. Or she, I don't want to be, I don't want to assume. They're, they're nocturnal, right? Uh, yeah, largely. Although you do sometimes see them during the day. Uh, but those tend to be sick or, or under stress. Or in a coat worn by a 1920s college student. That's right. They, they're trying to pack as many of them into a phone booth <laughs> as they can. Are we, are we going to talk about um, raccoon coats? We're, so I have, a, I have an up, upcoming episode of the, of the show where we talk about the college fads of the 1920s. So we'll cover raccoon coats. We're then. only covering live raccoons today. Today we are talking about live raccoons. I'm very upset. You, as you can see, I brought my ukulele. I know. I brought my straw boater. I'm you're, wearing a little, I'm waving a flag that has a U for university on it. You're actually sitting on top of a flagpole, <laughs> it's which very, is strange. It's very painful, but I'm starting to get into it. Actually. Well, you know, it's just lucky that I do keep a flagpole in my house. <laughs> on my chair. So we're only talking about live raccoons. Uh, well, no, we're going to be talking about a lot of different uh, versions of raccoons. But the, I mean, raccoons do turn up in culture and in fads. Um, they are native to North America. And so within the American 
myth, raccoons play a like not an outsized role, but they do reoccur. They're known. They're thought of as an American animal. I think our name from yeah. I think our name from them comes from the Powhatan. Like when John Smith arrived in Virginia, they were one of the new animals he saw. Yeah. And with that little Hamburglar mask, I'm sure he was quite smitten. Yeah. Well, they're adorable. Christopher Columbus didn't know what they were and just called them dogs. He thought they were dogs. I like how Christopher Columbus comes off as very dumb in this story. <laughs> He's like, hey, look, oh, they have a new kind of dog here. Hey, what? where's the gold or I'll murder you? Weird dog. Here, have some <laughs> small plots. Uh, in, and uh, in Spanish, they're called mapache. Mapache. El mapache, which is from the Aztec Indian, one who takes everything in its hands. Right. Well, they're known uh, for their dexterity and for the fact that they appear to have very human-like little paws. They're amazing at Pac-Man, very high space invader scores. So they're super good at, uh, well, and they're used to, to manufacture iPhones, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, so much more humane it than is children. than using children. So they're identified by, they have all these wonderful characteristics, the stripy tail, the Hamburglar mask, the, the dexterous little paws. They're so cute, but they're awful. They're misleadingly cute. They're like Gina Lola Brigida. Gina Lola Brigida is like universally both cute and wonderful. There's nothing, there's no downside to her. They're like, um, Megan Kelly. They're like some Fox news blonde. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yep. I, I, I am a raccoonophile. So when people talk about them as trash burglars and as, you know, vile disease carrying little monsters, I always argue I'm very pro raccoon. Well, so I was going to say they're kind of mean, but maybe I should put it a different way. Cause I don't want you to think I'm. I'm racist against your hobby. Mm -hmm. um, they are fearless. Let's put it that way. Like they would come up to our back door of our house and um, I don't know, eat my dog's food or something. You know, they would just they kind would. of maraud. They, they like to maraud, I think. And uh, I would walk up to the glass and be like, hey, you know, cut it out. Bang, 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 bang. And they would just stand there and look at me. And if I really started banging, it would get up on its hind legs and go. Yeah. Oh, they'd come right in the house if you opened the door. I didn't open the door. Yeah. They, I, was, I was kind of afraid they would come in the house and, and start washing things. Well, and they have sharp little teeth and sharp little paws um, or claws. Do they, their, do, their they paws attack people? do they attack people? Do people go to the, do uh, 86 Americans go to emergency rooms every year because of raccoons? In general, a raccoon will go the other way if you approach it, right? I mean, they're not going to, a healthy raccoon isn't going to come into your house and take you on. But if you corner one. They're pretty ferocious, and I do think that they, like, attack critters all the time. I mean, they're omnivorous. They eat a lot of plants. They eat a lot of bugs and stuff, but they also will eat little... They'll eat a, a little, horse. Little, <laughs> They'll just take down Have you ever seen 40 buffalo? raccoons kill a horse? 40 raccoons on the back of a buffalo? <laughs> just like, rawr! It's amazing. I think people are afraid that, they are, uh, that they're eating cats, but I, that's more a coyote thing. But raccoons, there's a lot of confusion about them, especially considering that they live, they live among us. I mean, they're in cities. They're around us all the time. They really love urban environments. That's maybe better for them than... They adapted, yeah. right? They're like the pigeon. I mean, a pigeon is a formerly a cliff-dwelling bird that figured out that buildings were the new cliffs <laughs> and, uh, and so became these like uh, an urban plague when they were just formerly like rock roosting little mountain birds. And raccoons decided that trash cans were the new grubs. Just were, were the new like dead animals lying in the forest. I mean, raccoons are scavengers and we give them a lot to scavenge. But, you know, they're, 
they were always thought of as solitary animals, but they're also very social. Uh, I think the more modern thinking about them is that they do, they live in groups sort of gender segregated, like the women, the, the lady raccoons will form a little community. And, uh, and then sometimes like, uh, like boy raccoons will actually band together into little, little tribes of three or four. What would you say is the collective noun for a group of raccoons? Uh, Raccoons? Oh, you're talking about like a plague of raccoons a or a, of, yeah. a, 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 a ukulele of raccoons. A slurry of raccoons. A slurry? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. What is it? I just looked it up. A gaze of raccoons. A gaze. I guess because of a mask? It's a bit much. I don't know. Some of those some of those collective nouns just seem like they seem like a prank. Like, let's see if we can get people to start calling raccoons a gaze. Uh, I it sounds to me that all those collective names sound like two professors at Princeton were sitting around in one another's offices in the 1920s, like, I know, let's give collective names to all the different animals. And they just came up with, you know, they're just throwing stuff out. A gaze of raccoons. Yeah, they have some air of like, they came from an illuminated medieval manuscript. But I think you're right. I bet this was also a mimeographed list from the 70s. Yeah, yeah, it seems fake. That seems like something we should investigate for this show. We can kill it off. Like the future will never know about it if we don't we'll just tell co- them about we'll, it. The collective noun for everything is a pack. We're going to delete that whole thing. <laughs> Corinthians going to cut all that out while we were talking about a gaze of raccoons. We do not want the future infested by our weird collective nouns. That's right. It's a pack of raccoons. It's a pack of eagles. It's a pack of salmon. Pack of everything. Pack of cigarettes. Yeah, pack of cigarettes. A pack of people. <laughs> I, just saw, I just saw a pack of people. <laughs> a little pack. A pack of fish. Pack of birds. But raccoons play a large role in the, in like, Native American mythologies, um, sort of across the Americas. Pocahontas has one in the Disney movie. Sure, she does. It, are you are you implying that she worships it? No, as no, some kind of god. They're like tricksters. They're thought of as as uh, pulling pranks. They didn't. There are no raccoons in Alaska. So when I was growing up, raccoons were not a thing. We had the we actually had bears. Right, uh, you have bears it, and mooses wandering through your backyard. Yeah, right? the, uh, packs of mooses. The bears were the ones that were knocking over trash cans. So when I got to Seattle, I, I found raccoons to be extremely charming. Because they're better than bears to you. Well, they're washing bears. When I was a young man and was uh, drinking and doing um, and living a, a vagabond life, I spent a lot of time walking the streets at night. You were nocturnal as well. I was. Lifting I w- up sod corners to look for delicious grubs. I was solitary, nocturnal, and trash disturbing. And raccoons and I were, you know, we were vying for the same coffee grounds. <laughs> You're in the same ecosystem. But we, I, I met uh, raccoons coming through the rye all the time. And with the, was it like the um, the Looney Tunes cartoon where the coyote and the sheepdog are like, hey, Sam, hey, Ralph. Well, there, there were- like, hey, John, hey, Rocky. There were some extraordinary uh, encounters where I would come, I'd be coming up the sidewalk and a big raccoon would be coming the other way and we would- stop and appraise one another and the raccoon would sit up on its hind legs and do that sort of head bobbing, weaving thing that that raccoons do when they're... That's more interaction than I've ever had on a Seattle sidewalk with a human. Well, that's true, right? You, He didn't bury his face in a newspaper. He, he, uh, he or she, I mean, we would... Today, the raccoon would just pretend to look at its cell phone, but this was back in the day. Or not, not and say like, yeah, we should get together sometime and so, then keep moving. Uh, and I've... Uh, 
seen raccoons fight one another. I've seen wow. a tree with 20 raccoons in this it. This is your version of the Rutger Hauer speech from Blade Runner. <laughs> I've seen things you wouldn't imagine. Raccoons I'm, poking at each other with uh, sticks. Raccoons uh, twinkling uh, over the Tannhauser Gate. <laughs> but I have raccoons living under, the, under my barn in the backyard. Uh, I'm routinely competing with them for the fruit that my trees produce. Do you feed them? I don't, but I go out in the yard because I also spend some time in my own yard in the middle of the night, just out there in a bathrobe, swinging a sword around, thinking deep thoughts. Oh, sure. People know this. Like they've seen the YouTube videos. Yeah. And so I, I meet my own raccoons often. And there's a, there's a, a lady raccoon that has a bunch of kits every couple of years. And so she's got four or five little babies trailing behind her and they all run up the tree when they see me and I'll stand out there and talk to them. I'm sure I'm annoying as can be because I stand at the foot of the tree. But you also pay the mortgage and they don't. That's right. They don't, they don't get a vote. Oh, and and when it gets really dry in the end of the summer, when it hasn't rained in four months, I'll put water out for them because I feel like, you know, they're, they get by pretty well, but like when it gets really dry around here, Oh, and one of the reasons is I put up a swimming pool one time and I came out in the middle of the night and it was full of raccoons. Like dead like, dead bodies? No, no. They were just like, yay! Pool party! And I, I realized, oh, sure, they have to be parched. Well, they do like water, right? Well, so they're uh, one of the reasons they're called the washing bear. And uh, it, you're just asserting they're called the washing bear. I'd just like to say for the record that I don't think they're called the washing bear. They're called well, raccoons. They are called raccoons, although um, their Latin name is Procyon Lotor. Which means one who which washes. Means lotion dog. It means lotion dog. Uh, actually, lotion dog was my well, when I ski raced a lot. That was my name. I still remember in high school dog. renting lotion dog six. They wouldn't let us have it without an ID, but I had it. I had it yeah, uh, embroidered on the back of my satin jacket. <laughs> uh, but but they're known for washing their food, and it's one of their sort of characteristic moves. You give them something to eat, and they'll take it over to some water and. And wash it off. You're like, classic raccoon. Look, it's doing its thing. There it is. It's washing its food. Um, oh, in German, they're actually called the, how, how do you pronounce this? Waschen. Waschbar? Waschbar. What's an A with an umlaut? Bear? Waschbar? Waschbar. Bar. <laughs> You're just making Bar. up vowels now. No, no, it's, it is. It's an A-E sound. Waschbar. Waschbar. When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high-quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free, plus $20 off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. That's butcherbox.com iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. So they, they literally say, hey, look, it's a wash bear. They do. And the thing about uh, raccoons in Germany is that they are an invasive species. They were imported oh. to Germany initially in the 1920s. In the and, form of a coat. 
a college coat. Well, as a as a fur-bearing animal, mm. right? They were imported there as a kind of like, oh, this is another great fur-producing critter like a mink. And and let's talk about how Europeans just love the old west so much, they, like way more than us. They really do. They fetishize it. They fetishize the Native American, they fetishize cowboy culture. Like um, 50 years after American children have given up on the cowboy, there are still cowboy and Indian comic strips in Europe. Well, there are the cowboy and Indian themed bars. There are people in Belgium that live in teepees. <laughs> there are. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and they, they think that the there, Dukes of there, Hazzard theme is a There is a big homeless tune. problem in Brussels, but I don't know. No, they, they have like encampments where it's, where and, and it's a strange amalgam of country and Western music, like, this sort of hagiography around the lost Native American peoples who are the noble noble savage. And then there's biker culture connected to it, uh, which is also like rebel culture. There's a lot of Confederate flags in this sort of European subculture. It's a strange American goulash, but that's very, it's like, it's very progressive about Native American rights, but strangely also like... Really into cowboys. Really into cowboys, guns, and Confederate flags. I guess to them, country music would be like world music, right? It would be like us hearing like, you know, weird kind of Balkan gypsy stuff or mariachi music and just thinking like, ah, so exotic to be in that part of the world. Whereas we hear country music and to us, it's the opposite of cosmopolitan globalism. Well, the thing about American culture is it's not uh, analogous to like the, the in, in terms of ex, its exoticism to like the music of the Amazon rainforest. Because it's so big. Everybody's heard American music and country music feels like a subset of rock and roll, but one that in a way they see country music the same way that country music consumers in America see it, which is that it's got integrity. It's closer to the true experience of the working class it's, um, you're still imagining a world where people think of country music as people enjoy it for its rootsiness and not for its, and I think bastardization pop with a fiddle. Yeah. I think when you consume it in Belgium, it's, you, you're doing it through a couple of different filters or in Germany, you know, in American culture, right? There are Harley Davidson gangs in Sweden and whatever hoops they have to jump through in order to, to turn that into a local culture, uh, they manage, you know, I think in probably in the same way that well, it's not the same way that like the Swedish American hall here has a culture around it because it, those are all Swedish immigrants or sons of Swedish immigrants. Mm-hmm. Whereas there, your biker country culture in Sweden. It's kind of an imagined fetish version. Yeah, right. And maybe it's like anime culture here. That's exactly where, what it is. Where kids are like, oh, I'm Japanese, uh, you know, like, like. Weefei. I know. Weeaboo. We, <laughs> no, we, we, no, they don't say weeaboo. No, weeaboo is the name um, for an obsessive American, uh, American who's superficially obsessed with Japanese well, culture. Well, I know, but it's actually kind of a slur. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to <laughs> offend the otaku. I heard a great word. I heard Tiaboo for one of these people that just watches like British murder mysteries and, oh, and Downton Abbey. Oh, that's cute. You're a Tiaboo. But, but the association of uh, raccoons with Western culture comes from, you know, Davy Crockett's right. cap. Right. Right. Well, and also importing it as a fur species into Europe in the 20s was somewhat related to the, the raccoon coat. Fur coats are, are an important part of surviving the winter in a pre-Gore-Tex culture. And lots of Europe is cold in the winter. Yeah, you get 
there are only so many sable and raccoons grow fast and are big and are cheap and their fur is, is warm. It looks pretty good. It looks like pretty good fur. I'm, no, good fur. I'm no expert. It's good fur. So they were imported as fur bearers. And then at a certain point in the 30s, a few of them were released as game animals. Uh, hun- hunters in Germany were bored hunting their normal fox and, and uh, rabbit. And they wanted to track the most dangerous game of them all. That's right. The raccoon. The raccoon, the raccoon which can- The at, bear. At, at, a, at a full gallop can move like at 11 miles an hour. And it's probably not really good eaten. Well, no, raccoon is a good stew animal. People have always eaten raccoon. Do you eat your uh, your raccoons out under no, the barn? No, no, no. We are friends. My raccoons and I have a, I mean, I feel like I'm more friends with them probably than they feel like with me. I thought you were about to say than you are with me. I, no, no, I, I'm, no, you, I'm better friends with the raccoons than with you, Ken. No, no, no. I, I allow you to sit and wash your food. And I mean, I'm, I, I'm as good, I'm as good a friend. Sit in your kitchen and wash off my trail mix. But the crows and the raccoons. you're saying if I was in the middle of the road and a raccoon was in the middle of the road, a big Cadillac from your neighborhood is bearing down on us. You j- leap into action. Mm. Who do you nudge aside out of the road? I feel like I would shout <laughs> and you would both scamper off. I've seen you scamper. I and scamper you, quite a bit. Yeah, you move 11 miles an hour. <laughs> uh, but, and, and there's a there's a myth in Germany that uh, actually Hermann Goering released a bunch of raccoons into the forest as a as a sort of like sport like let's create raccoon hunting as a as a new sport, and I, I, that's I think untrue. How but many how many minutes by the way before we got to the Nazis? Twenty. Twenty. Yeah. That's, that's, we're, that's we're, about that's about par. Twenty minutes before I refer to Goering or Himmler. I refer to twenty minutes as like the Maginot Line, you know, because right. that's where the Nazis break right on through every time. Well, they go around it, and we don't, <laughs> and we never go around the Nazis. We always are standing right there with a giant catcher's mitt. But in World War II, there was a, a, an incident where a bomb landed on a raccoon farm and blew up the wall and a bunch of... Is this in Germany? In Germany. It's a, probably an allied bomb. It's, this it is, was an allied this bomb. This is absolutely our fault. So these are American aminals, which then we freed from captivity with our extremely accurate bombing campaigns. And raccoons, you know, a, a few dozen raccoons escaped from this fur farm. Well, talk about the long con. Yeah. Like we're uh, so dedicated to ravaging Europe that we are going to That's right. trick you into taking our, <laughs> our vermin. <laughs> and then decades <laughs> later. 80 years later. Uh, there, 80 years later, there are more than a million wild raccoons in Germany. Wow. And they are considered an absolute plague upon the land. Raccoons are everywhere. They're living in people's attics. They're terrorizing the Germans. Uh, and, you know, raccoons are not really terrifying. But if you're not used to them, if you encounter one in the alley in, in uh, Nuremberg, I think it's probably more of a surprise than here in Seattle where it's like, oh, what's up? Yo, bros. Do you think maybe there's a genetic component? We've been, we've been raised to not be threatened by them, but uh, the European stock, you know, has the same kind of atavistic response to a raccoon that we might to a... A snake or a spider. The thing about a raccoon is it's a wild forest animal that is not afraid to live in cities. And in Europe, most... But to me, that's like a cute bonus. Like, oh, I'm walking down the city street. Oh, and there's a cute little wildlife critter. It's Ranger Rick. It, it's super cute. But I think it, Europe made a, a real point to exterminate all of the animals that might impede human progress, right? There are no wolves in Europe anymore. And, and Germany in the past has taken a very wide stance on what 
kinds of things you exterminate for the betterment of the species. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They're, uh, they have the broadest possible definition. They are managing their turf, right, pretty carefully. Uh, there are some bears in, in Europe still, uh, in the Carpathian Mountains. You can find a bear. Um, Do records have predators here they don't there? Or uh, is there just less competition? There, uh, there aren't top predators. Uh, raccoon's not going to encounter a wild dog, typically, or a bear or a... I mean, what might kill a raccoon here? A coyote, I guess. A coyote, but but I think they generally stay apart. I mean, raccoons don't have a lot of predators, and they're pretty good at, like you say, they they mine their beeswax. Um, but in Germany, they are not mining their beeswax. They're they're getting out there. Oh, and they're also not confined to Germany. They've spread all over Europe, and now they're in Spain. They they do transmit rabies, so there's some concern that they are disease ridden. And I don't think they've made it across the English Channel yet, although they are good swimmers. They're, they're almost all the way there right but now. But they're not ocean swimmers, really. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they can spend a lot of time floating in the water. They're, they're not, uh, they'll travel far. That would have to be an accident, like the lemurs arriving in Madagascar on some kind of floating palm and bamboo thing. Yeah, there, yeah. Are, there are, I think, fewer animals going across the English Channel on like fallen logs, as there might have been a thousand <laughs> years ago. I feel like most of the fallen logs are like gathered up now. But raccoons are making their way throughout Europe. They're in Russia. They're all over. And I don't think there I don't think there's anything that can be done. Although in Germany now and in Europe in general, they are increasingly advocating a zero tolerance policy, like kill them. If you find them, kill them. We did that here with Canada geese. Like kill all the Canada geese you want. We'll make more. Yeah, we uh, for a while there we were herding enormous uh, flocks of geese into shipping containers and gassing them. Oh, really? Yeah. And then using the, and then I think using them for food. That's awful. That was happening here in Seattle because the geese were just overrunning the town. And of course, there were a lot of people that were very offended that we were gassing geese. It's because of our deep hatred for uh, Canadians. You're not allowed to put Canadians into a shipping container and gas them. It's frowned upon. True. So you got to get that aggression out somewhere. Well, what we typically do with Canadians is cut off one of their feet, <laughs> throw it into the ocean, and make them watch. That'll learn them. Hobble back up to Vancouver Island and stay out of here. So our, uh, you know the equivalent of that here? I guess it's not from fur, but uh, there are opossums in the woods of Western Washington. Opossums are native to North America. They're the only marsupial in the New World. But they are not native to this area, and in this case, it was pets that got out. Can you imagine keeping who wants a pet possum, possum? as a pet? I, I want the weirdest looking, like giant rat animal, Mom. They are so repulsive. I have a poss. I had possums here a lot, and I actually got a cat, and was standing in the house looking out the back window one time at dusk, and the, the possum came into the yard. It was a giant possum, and the cat and the possum did do the, like, sheepdog meets the wolf, like, hat tip to each other. Hey, Ralph. And I said, what the hey? Like, you're here for a, you're here to do a job. You got the cat to kill the possum. No, I got the cat to kill the rat. And I got the rat to kill the mouse. And I got the mouse to kill the bug. And the I got the The problem is bug. you're left with the cat, the worst animal. <laughs> your, your plan went wrong when you wound up with a cat. Yeah, I don't know why I swallowed the fly. But possums and cats just have, uh, they have, like, professional courtesy with one another. And my mom tells a story about feeding her cats here in Kingston, Washington, and that the cat bowl sitting outside would attract raccoons and skunks Skunks. and possums. And they would all sort of take turns eating out of the food bowl. And they, they were, 
not competitive with one another, which seems crazy to me. All these New World animals with the Indian names are the best, like raccoon and yeah. skunk. That's so great. Yeah. Possum. Even Possum. the vegetables, squash, pumpkin. Like we just have better consonants than anywhere. We do, and it's why the Germans and Belgians are so interested in our culture. It's not just them, though. Raccoons also now are a plague in Japan. Really? Um, and for an even more hilarious reason. Have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point, but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's Musician. Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24-7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musician's award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musician's Premium Plus package at musician.com start. That's unlimited access to thousands of lessons, exercises, and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks. Just go to musician.com slash start. That's Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-A-N dot com slash start. In the 1960s, there was a sort of beloved children's story by the author Sterling North called, it was about a raccoon. It was called Rascal. And, um, it was a popular 60s children's book. I remember Rascal. Yeah, there was a Disney movie made about Rascal. That's what I was going to say. And then that book, Rascal, became very popular among Japanese school children in the 70s. There was a, um, like a television series, an anime show mm -hmm. about Rascal, the, the hilarious raccoon. And in Japan, there are indigenous to Japan, something called the raccoon dog. Yes, the tanuki. The tanuki which is not a raccoon or even... They kind of, they're kind of fox-shaped, but they've got the mask. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they're more related to some, to actually foxes or some kind of canid. Yeah, they are. Um, and in Japanese myth, they have, uh, you know, they kind of loom large in the, the stories of the Japanese forest. Yeah, they're kind of magical animals within Japanese magic culture. There's actually a pretty popular movie by um, Miyazaki's studio, you know, beloved children's director of our time. Uh, in which the raccoon dogs are trying to defend their forest against developers. And the thing I didn't know about Tanuki, in the, in the translation, they just call them raccoons. So you'd be forgiven for thinking they're raccoons, but right. they're not. They're these dog things. But they uh, fight the developers with their giant scrotums. Or scrota? I don't know. It's I guess a pack of scrotums. <laughs> a pack of scrota. In Japanese myths, I guess, Tanuki can do all these weird shape-changing things with their, with their scrotums. And, and you can find old, um, you know, old parchments showing the tanuki just dragging these huge scrotums behind them. So they're using them as parachutes in the movie and like falling down on the on the uh, backhoes, um, you know, making them the shapes of all kinds of crazy weapons. It's bizarre. And this is now watched by American children who are like, I think they trans instead of saying scrotum in the translation, they call them raccoon pouches. Oh, yeah. Raccoon pouches. Just that little raccoon pouch you got between your legs uh -huh. there. <laughs> that functions as a parachute. I mean, there are, talk about like a little bit of a cultural difference. Um, we have not imported scrotums, magic scrotums from <laughs> Japan into our children's culture, but I guess it's no stranger than the Confederate flag in Belgium. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably more harmless. I mean, children have to learn about raccoon scrotums sometime. Right. 
Well, no, but, <laughs> uh, but in this case, yes. But raccoons themselves, American raccoons, the Japanese were already primed for this, you know, for a character like the raccoon. Because they have these cute raccoon looking things. Yeah. And, and I think tanukis are also sort of tricksters within the magic culture. If I had a giant scrotum, I'd be a trickster. <laughs> <laughs> like I well, would, the pranks would never end. Speaking as someone who is a trickster, <laughs> let me tell you, they are related. Uh, so in 1977, Japanese school kids so enamored by Rascal that they started to import raccoons to Japan as pets. Uh, the opossum problem. And raccoon babies are hilarious. And they do seem like... They would be great pets. They wash their food. And so they, they seem very clean and they seem tidy and they're curious. But as raccoons grow, they are not good pets. They are wild animals and they also are wild animals that can use doorknobs. Like they're... It's basically like having children. Yeah, right. Children with cute, claws. At first they're cute and they stay where you put them down. And then eventually, yeah, they start to move around. They can use their thumbs to open doors. Yeah. They can yell at you. They can shred your skin off your arm. Uh, and so what happened in Japan was that they started to put these once cute, no longer cute animals out. Like, oh, here, why don't we just pretend this never happened? And they kicked him out the door. At one point in the 70s, they were importing 1,500 raccoons a month Whoa. to Japan. Uh, no was, one, was this legal? Well, yeah. Then it was, they were... Thought of so they're illegal in many U.S. states to keep as pets. Yeah, we have pretty strict exotic pets laws here in most states. But in Europe and in Japan, they were not. They were you could keep them as a pet. The legal the legal ecosystem was not ready for them either. One time in the early '90s, I met a like a street punk kid that had a baby raccoon on a leash Whoa. walking down Broadway, and I thought, you know, street punks do not they're not renowned for their decision making prowess. And this is an example of a thing that's going to go horribly wrong for both of these creatures. But the raccoon, I think, will survive it better than the street punk. Today, it's ferrets. All the, all the hipsters making bad pet decisions get ferrets. Ferrets are so smelly. They're awful. The thing about the- We're really insulting a lot of kinds of animals without knowing what, what, what the future of the species is. I'm, Maybe we should be careful with our- I'm 100% sure that whoever, is, uh, whoever our listeners are, some of them are ferret owners who are even now composing- Kind of angry letters about how Dear great Dear sirs, are. Yeah. we understand your recordings are all in good fun. That's right. But the fun ended at minute 28 of your most recent episode. When you slurred against the noble ferret. My pet ferret, Sir Walter Raleigh, appeared to understand what you were saying and reacted <laughs> in a shocking manner. The funny thing about, the, about raccoons washing their food is that it's actually not true. Wait, the wash bear doesn't wash? No. And it's not a bear. It's not a bear, and it does not actually wash its food. But what's interesting is studies showed that if you gave a raccoon, like they don't wash earthworms, for instance. Oh, it and depends you, on the food? Well, and if you gave them food, but they didn't have water, they would still do the same motions, the same sort of washing motions with the food, but just n with no water. Dry. So they're just OCD, basically. What it is is that they have incredibly tactile hands. So Sexy. So their 
number one sense is their sense of touch, in particular in their palms. And so they turn things over in their hands to identify them. They identify them not by smell or by sight, but by uh, manipulating them. Hmm. And what water does is it intensifies the sensitivity of their palms. So they get water on there and it kind of, it creates a kind of electrical, it causes the little hairs on their hands to kind of stand up and become more sensitive. So they use water, but as a tool to feel things. They're foodies, basically. It's kind of like a, a one of, you know, taking a sniff from the bouquet of a glass of wine. Right. They or, just uh, sort of put or, the Or taking a selfie of your beautifully plated, you know, whatever it is. Uh, uh, kale salad. Your or beautifully plated kale. Cornish game hen. <laughs> uh, they, they will also wash things they're not going to eat. Oh, just, just to stuff? S- just to see what it is. And I think it took people a long time to figure that out because it just seems so natural to us to, that they are washing. Uh, we, we understood the gesture, and so we we put a, a kind of anthropomorphized rationale to it, or you know, we we saw it, but not for what it actually was, which is a, a sense that we don't have it in such acuteness. I like the idea that you will appreciate your food more if you. Um you know, just play around with it in your fingers first. Cause kids do that. I'm going to start doing that at restaurants. Like I'm just going to dip both my hands into my fettuccine mm-hmm. and kind of wiggle it around, really enjoy the, all the sensations of yeah. the pasta. Although I don't like having grease on my hands. It, uh, You're I, not a lotion dog? No, I, I go to the bathroom immediately and wash off any kind of greasy feeling. You're a wash bear. I am a little bit of that's a wash and That's bar. what the gay community says about you. Mm-hmm. That's what you can tell from the handkerchief in my back pocket. And that concludes The Washing Bear. Entry 1411.LV2025, certificate number 29158, in the Omnibus. Listeners, if you're still tuned in at this point, you are obviously not future raccoon or ferret mutants who have been offended away. Well, I think a future raccoon mutant might think, yeah, it's about damn time our story was told. It's true. If I was a raccoon mutant, this would be my favorite podcast ever. Yeah, but if I were a, he's, a you ferret know, mutant... He's, li- he's curious. listening to This American Life and he's like, this hardly is ever about raccoons. Yeah, right. What, if, if ever. What about this is of interest to raccoons, It's called sir. This American Life, but it should really be called This American Not Raccoon Life. So yeah, this is now your new favorite show. Congratulations. Welcome home. And also, Ferrets, we will do a show about you and and we will restore your good name. If uh, you raccoon people have developed opposable thumbs to go with your dexterity, you can try to use that to look up social media. They may be listening to this show through their fingertips, right? They, they found our platinum records and they're, they're just, just rubbing, just rubbing the grooves. Feeling like, ah, oh, Ken and John. Don't dip it in water, though, because we are making the record out of uh, toffee. (laughs) Alka-Seltzer. They would love that. Oh, right. Briefly. (laughs) But yeah, as soon as the raccoons develop opposable thumbs, we're just done, right? They already have dexterity. The only thing we have is a thumb. It's true that they don't have opposable thumbs. They have their five little claws. Yeah. And and actually, they don't have a tremendous amount of of like digital dexterity. They use their hands. It's the only advantage we have right now. Pause, that's right. So it's over, basically. At some point, you guys figured out the thumb. You murdered us all. And uh, frankly, we had it coming mm-hmm. based on most of the television I watch. Rip, rip. 
You can use your thumbs to find out about the humans you conquered, their past, on social media. This particular project is at Omnibus Project on every social media platform we could think of. John is at John Roderick on Instagram and possibly on Twitter. Roderick, but yes, at John Roderick. I believe it's Roderick. (laughs) Roderick. I'll destroy you. Is John also three syllables? Jahan. Jahan Roderick at... Just because you have the most bland Anglo-Saxon name. My Anglo-Saxon name is one degree less bland, but it should not be that confusing. Jennings just does mean son of John. Jennings. But, but you've been saying it wrong. It's actually Jenningings. 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 And I am at Ken Jenningings on Twitter. John's on Instagram as well. You could contact us via email, if that's what you're into, at omnibusproject at howstuffworks.com. And we would love to hear your feedback, especially yeah. if it's nice. If it's nice. If it's mean. If it's nice, I'll send you something nice. If it's mean, John will send you something mean. We're good cop, bad cop. Um, well, right. And also, it can be, it can be mean, but not mean-spirited. Right? You can say, like... It can be snarky. Yeah, it can be We snarky. love that uh, ironic say, millennial sense of humor. Oh, guess what? You guys failed to know the f- most important part of this story. I mean, you can do that. And we'll feel, that, and that, we'll feel bad for a second, but we will feel uh, edified when you tell us what yeah, we missed. Yeah, just explain to us what we don't know. That's the best feeling about the internet. <laughs> and Oh, uh, also, why don't you give your P.O. box so that if, you, if uh, they want to send, like, gifts... You're assuming that the mail service is still running in the future. That's your faith. The United United States States Postal Service will survive all calamity. Neither rain nor sleet nor snow nor meteor crash nor temporal displacement of millions of years. That's right. We'll stop them from delivering things back in time. If you would like to send us uh, physical artifacts of your era. Let's say, for instance, shrimp forks. If, for example, you were to want to send Johnny shrimp fork, because apparently he's short one. Well, no, I don't want a single shrimp fork. You want each listener to send you one shrimp fork, which would give you tens of thousands of shrimp forks, and um, that would kind of consolidate your power. The thing is, I don't really know what a shrimp fork is. Why would you have a special sh- sh- like fork for shrimp? Does it help peel the shrimp somehow? That's the headache with shrimp. Well, but I don't want, I, I don't want unpeeled shrimp. I, I go out of my way in life to never be in a situation where someone will serve me an unpeeled shrimp. You're the anti-raccoon. I, I'm happy to take my little, the little shrimp in my little paws and worry it and work at it until I get the tail But I don't like greasy stuff on my hands. And also, shrimp just isn't that satisfying. Don't you have a finger bowl every night at dinner like we do in the Jenning's house? <laughs> uh, yeah, if you, so you can send physical artifacts to Omnibus Project, P.O. Box 55744, Seattle WA 98155. You could also... What, that's the entire address? Just a P.O. Box and a zip and code? And a zip code? I think that's how they work. Wow. Although in this case, the post office has recently moved, and now I don't know if 98155 is still the right zip code, but stuff's still getting to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's fine. It's very complicated. They figure out their zip code things. And you could also, this is the longest one of these ever, by the way, you could also chat with like-minded aficionados. If you're too shy to talk with us and you just want to talk with your raccoon peers, Mm -hmm. that goes on at the Futurelings group on Facebook. Uh, future packs of creatures. We have no idea how long our civilization survived. It seems like we are hanging by a thread. 
And we hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. Uh, if the worst comes soon, this recording, like, like all our recordings, may be our final word, but if providence allows. We hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus. Omnibus.